Thank you for tuning in to the Just Believe podcast. I'm your host, HP Mac. I appreciate you listening to this podcast. This podcast is raw, authentic, and unscripted. With that being said, enjoy the show. Hey, what's going on, guys? I'm HP Mac, and this is the Just Believe podcast. So today, I am honored to have this man that I met over social media for a while. Um, I love his work. I love his craft. The things that he's doing is incredible. Um, His name is Dr. Carlos Garcia. He's a professional. He helps out with mental health and wellness, which is key. See, I'm using this platform not only to share people's stories, but to really break that stigma. And if you have any doubts about seeing a psychiatrist, a therapist, or counselor or anything, don't. So I'm going to give it to you, Carlos. Tell people where you're from, your story, your why, and we're just going to have a great conversation. I love it. I love it. Well, first, I want to say, thanks for reaching out to me. Um, yeah, we connected through Instagram. I, I was always checking out your content. I love the stuff that, that you put out there. You know, it, it, it's it's just amazing to see so many people have this like negative impression of like social media, right? Yes. But, but how many of these connections are we able to build with people who are inspiring and have a, a story and a message that they want to to share with folks? And so um, this is awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being a guest. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, this, this actually was, um, wasn't my first career, um, coming out of school. So, you know, I mean, my family came here as, as immigrants from Cuba, grew up in Miami. Um, you know, we, we, we were poor growing up, you know, as many immigrant families come here, um, parents, you know, really struggled to give, you know, me and my brother a, a life and an opportunity. And um, I felt compelled as a result to, to be able to take some of those opportunities. Graduating high school, I actually went into the military. So I served in the, in the United States Marine Corps for about um, eight years and then actually transitioned into a, a career as a fireman and a paramedic. And I did that for about seven years before going back to, to grad school to study psychology. And so who more in touch with the sort of human suffering and, and the human condition? Uh, of just spending this lifetime up until I went to grad school of, of just seeing all of the ways in which life can be challenging for us, life can be difficult. And even having experienced my own story, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that here in a minute, but I found myself in a graduate program becoming a psychologist and, and doing therapy. Initially, the goal was to, to just get a doctorate degree and use that to you know, speak and, and, and help people navigate the, the challenges of life. And I was in a clinically focused program and I, I fell in love with the therapy piece. I fell in love with sitting in the room. Yeah. Helping people, like sitting in a room, having someone to come and see you, sometimes in, in, in the worst place of their life, and just sitting with them in that sitting with them in their difficulties, sitting with them in, 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 in their depression and their anxiety and helping support them and guide them to a place where, whether it was two months or two years later, they leave your office feeling great. And feeling a changed person. Yes. Just a completely changed person. Yes. And I think HB for a part, you know, part of that feels selfish for me because I get to live in that moment with them too. And so, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment. 
people often ask me, well, why did you go, you know, why did you go into this field? Um, for me, it was a product of all of the years I have been in therapy. Okay. And some of the most amazing counselors and therapists that helped me move past my anxiety and, a de- and depression growing up. And just how powerful that was for me, the ways in which that was able to change my life, my view of myself, my yeah. feelings towards myself. And I thought, my God, if I can just do this for one other person in the world, you know, th- that's my purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And you now found I, your gift. Yeah. And, and so as soon as I found myself doing this therapy, I'm like, man, like I've done some cool stuff before, but this feels this right. Yeah. It feels right. I, I have a question to ask because, you know, you was able to, as a young child, go to counseling and see yeah. a therapist. Was it a stigma for you? Like in your family, was there anyone that was like, hey, don't don't go see this guy or don't see this woman because you're going to be nuts, quote unquote. Mm-hmm. Um, and if so, did it make you look at the therapist or the counselor in a type of way where you're like, I don't want to really go see them. But, you know, yeah. deep down inside, I might actually have to because I need help. Yeah, what? yeah, absolutely. So the first time I went to see a counselor, I was 24. Okay. And um, I was dealing with a lot of internal like anger and anger at the world. And I had no idea why, but I knew it was impacting me, my relationships, um, a lot of stress. I never had parents that said, you know, therapy is bad. I think it's just sort of the underlying message, not only in our culture, but in Hispanic culture too. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, you're, you're crazy. Yeah. Wrong with you. If you're going to talk to somebody or the, the old suck it up. Yeah, I got that a lot as a, no, as a what, child. Suck it up. What do you mean? Yeah. Life is good, right? But internally, I was, I was suffering. And the truth is that from the age of 18 to 24, I spent all of that time suffering because of the stigma, because I was afraid if I go see somebody, then, then, then you know, this means I'm weak. I can't handle my own stuff. Mm-hmm. And the amount of shame that I, that I sort of dealt with and, and was holding on to kept me in my suffering for a long time. And I don't think our culture does a very good job of, of I think we're getting a little bit better, yeah. but of parting from that message that seeking help is a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it comes in very subtle ways, right? If I were to say to you, HB, I'm feeling depressed or I'm feeling anxious. You know, you might say to me, or what a lot of people might say, I don't know what you might say, but what a lot of people will say, well, you know, what, what's wrong? Why are you feeling that way? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm dealing with the same thing, man. You're, you're weak. You're, yeah. Man, just toughen up. Yeah. 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 Can't get better. Just, just do yoga. Yeah. Just go to the gym. Right. Yeah. Here's yeah. a great book. You just need to change your thoughts. Mm-hmm. But it's like yeah. deep down inside, I know there's something wrong with me. Even I can read a hundred books. I can do a hundred yoga classes. I can hit the gym for a hundred hours, but there's still something internally wrong with me. Internally, yeah. mm-hmm. right? And, no, and, and we can make sense logically like, yeah, maybe things in my life are okay, but man, I can't, that's not the way I feel on the inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the inside, I, I, I feel, you know, what for me was like self-loathing and hatred and like, God, I'm just not enough. Yeah. 
I feel like I'm not enough for, for me, for the people in this world, for the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't break from that. I, I was like, I can look exterior and be like, I have these awesome jobs. I have people that love me. So why do I feel but this? Something's wrong. And I love the fact that you said 24. Um, because during when you're 24, 25, 27, between that age, you kind of realize, wait, I'm in my own. This is it. Like I'm my own person. And some of the things that we experience as a child start just magically reappearing in your 20s. And you're like, Wow. Yeah. Now all of a sudden I I don't like who I am now. Yeah. Because of something that happened, let's say when I was seven or eight or nine, the way my mom yelled at me and the yeah. way my dad yelled at me. And it changed your whole narrative as an adult. Absolutely. You may not be that strong, timid, that you know, you may not be that strong person that wanna achieve your dreams as when you're 16. Now you're like, well, I have all this doubt in the back of my mind or, or this anger. Man, I didn't like the way my mom said this to me. I didn't like the way my dad said this or my teacher. And you have that anger and that resentment. No, I think that's perfect. I remember um, it was a book that I was reading. It was saying that we don't, you know, from a from when you're in the womb to about seven years old, you process a lot. But, you know, when you're that young, you don't realize it until you get older, until your brain is almost developed, fully developing. You're like, whoa, all this setback is unbelievable. No, I, I applaud you for not only blocking out the noise of, man, I can't man up. I'm going to actually go get the help that I need because I need this help. This help is going to help change me to the man that I am today. That yeah. is courage at its finest. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it, it, you know, one of the statistics I've read is that usually between the onset of someone's like depression or anxiety symptoms and the time they get help, it's about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. so, so, you know, I wasn't alone in that. Um, and you know, this, this thing that you're saying, right. We're able to sort of analyze where we are as adults and our belief system. It, we, we, we own it as our own and, and I'll sort of explain what that means. Our ways of thinking and being, we believe them to be out of our very nature, that they, that they exist, at, like, this is who I am. Yeah. But here's an example, right? Because people tell me, well, there's no trauma in my past. Nothing happened to me. My parents were great. We had a great family. I say, okay. Here's an example of how the messages we hear when we're young can have a significant impact as adults. Right? Yes, I'm glad you said that. Let's say we have seven-year-old boy and he's going out to eat with his parents tonight. Parents are, are, are super great, well-intentioned, loving parents. They just want guidance and, and, and this child to, to do well in life. So they get to the restaurant and they say, you know what? Today we're gonna, we're gonna make sure that he can start making decisions and feel better and more like an adult. So they say, you know what, Joey? You get to pick whatever you wanna eat out of the menu today. So Joey gets super excited and says, oh, this is awesome. Looks at the menu, says, I want the pizza. Look at that cheesy pizza. That's what I want. And mom says, are you sure? What if you don't like the pizza? He's like, no, no, no. I want the pizza, the, the one with the cheese and the, yeah. But you always get the burger. Why don't, you know, why don't you go with the same thing? You know you like the burger. And Joey sticks to his guns. He's like, no, 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 the pizza. And then dad chimes in. He's like, the pizza's too big. You're not going to eat it all. It's going to be a waste of money. Just get the burger. So now feeling defeated, Joey says, okay, I'll get the burger. 
the questioning to be is in that moment, what do you think that child believes about his ability to make decisions? He doesn't. He does it. He's going to question everything. And it's stuff like that. What people don't realize that that example that you gave was something that was with me. I didn't realize like, you know, as a young adult, I, I had so much doubts about certain things, right? Because my parents would question me. My mom would question me. My every adult would question me. Yeah. And like, as you said, Hey, I'm going to choose the pieces. Yeah. No, no, it's going to be too big. And it's like, but I know what I want. Right. You won't let me be me in exactly. shoes. Yeah. Exactly. So that child thinks, well, maybe my decisions aren't good. Maybe my decisions are wrong. Maybe I need to check other people, right? And what we know is that that didn't happen just that one isolated time. That's sort of the message he got around schoolwork, maybe soccer and, and every other area of his life. Now think about this message from the, the, the probably the time this child is two or three till they're 17. Yeah. Now, what we think is, well, that child's not going to think back and think on that day, I felt, you know, inappropriate or whatever. No, the message was so subtle over such a long period of time. This is a child that grows up and has a lot of difficulty making decisions, a lot of anxiety or stress, especially the bigger the decision to be made. Do you think this is someone that's going to struggle with self-esteem? Oh, yes. Without a doubt. Do you think that's going to impact the sorts of relationships they they get into? Of course. Right? So every single one of us has some version of a story of messages that we heard that weren't always the most helpful. Yeah. Right? And I was carrying a ton of those around. For me, in my house, I had a a dad that was just very uh, a disciplinarian, Um, you know, very much so. And so you know, mistakes weren't allowed. You made the smallest mistake and sometimes you were called names or, you know, you know, spanked or, or, or like, yeah. you know, screamed that, which is terrifying for a child. So I grew up believing like mistakes are not okay. That's a reflection of, of me as a person. I'm a failure. And so now I'm 18 and feeling like nothing I do is ever good enough. Do you think sitting with that enough times around enough things, you're going to have some depression, some anger? Of course. Of course, of course. And subconsciously at night, you're just going to, it's going to replay. Yeah. And I I was going through that. I was going through that. I suffered pretty much depression about 14, 15, right? I had a definite family. It was my sister. And I was, you know, I questioned a lot, but no, unfortunately during this time, nobody was really talking about depression, seeing a counselor, getting help. It was just, Hey, you know, it'll get better. It'll get better. Or you know, you'd be okay. You'd be okay. Just give some time. And that moment altered my whole life. I'm in the middle of school, starting out freshman. And I literally failed every class, yeah. not because I was dumb, stupid, or I didn't have the ability to pass. I was checked out mentally, you know, mentally. I was like, wow, I can't believe this happened to me, you know? And, and, Luckily, I was able to do the night school, the summer school, and graduate pretty much on time. But I was I was not there, and I really wanted to see a counselor, or a therapist, or a psychiatrist. But everyone in my family looked at me like, "You're no, no, we don't do that. It's not, it's not, it's not in our culture. Black people don't do that. Brown people don't do that. Hispanic people don't do that." And Which like, then made you feel what? Oh it made me feel shameful to even think about seeing help. But now that I'm older and I realize like 
wait, I go see a, a dentist when my tooth is hurting right. and whatnot. It's the same thing. Right. It is the same right. thing. We have to go, we have to go see someone. Even if you don't experience trauma, I recommend seeing a counselor, a therapist, a psychiatrist, a professional, because we have so much tension built up on us in the day-to-day life. Sometimes you just need someone who's not biased, who's not going to be your friend and give you that friend advice. You're going to need someone who's going to sit down and tell you the truth and tell you, Hey, I know you don't want to hear this, but you need to hear this to better yourself. Right. Absolutely. And, and, you know, over the time I've been doing this work, you see, you see a lot of consistencies and, you know, almost everybody that comes into this office, HB, Sometimes the first thing we need to work on before any, any sort of fixing of anything is just sitting with and being okay with the fact that like you're here, yeah. that life has gotten really hard for you, that you've been carrying a really heavy burden, that, that things have been really confusing and you haven't, you haven't been able to figure it out yet. And, and sometimes we just need to sit in that before, you know, we're trying to make things better, if you will. Yes. Yes. And I, I do, I have people that come in here and it's this idea of like, you know, what do we need to do to change things? What, are, how do we fix this? And, and my line is always like fixing something implies something's broken. Yeah. You're not broken. You just need to learn how to heal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. So once you, once you got into the clinical field, mm-hmm. what was the moment for you that was like okay this is my calling this is my gift this is my purpose i'm gonna do this like was it a certain client that really helped you grow grow into this profession Mm -hmm. or was it just something that you just woke up one day and was like okay this is my calling this is my gift now it's time to give it away to the world and help others heal yeah you know i i think what it was is that it just felt so easy and being in a room with a client regardless of what they were coming in for whether it was you know substance abuse or it was you know divorce it didn't matter um it just felt right uh from from my first year and, and one of the things that I found was, and I had some great mentors along the way, but I sort of just did what felt intuitively right. And then would later come to find out like, oh, this is a, a way of doing therapy. Like it, this is in this book and it talks about, but it just felt, you know, like, let me just be human in the room with this person. Yeah. Let me ask them about, you know, what it felt like when, you know, the infidelity was, or what it felt like when there were a child, what, what did it feel like when things were difficult for you? And I, I think that's when I knew because it just felt natural. Yeah. I just knew how to be in the room with, with the client and, and where to go and, and how to intuit what they really wanted to talk about, what they were telling me, but what they were really feeling. Yeah. It just all made sense. And I think a part of that is that I, I could pull on my own, from my own experiences. I could pull from feeling so damn depressed that no one, I don't feel like anyone will ever understand me. Yeah. I don't know that this will ever go away. 
So when a client would tell me that, I'd be like, yeah, that must feel really hard for you. That, versus like great. oh okay so you know when you're feeling like that next time what can we do what what sort of strat you know that's not what you want to hear you want to hear that human element yeah like hey i was there with you there is hope i get it yeah yeah, yeah. and and that and that's what really made me become an advocate i used to really get into like my passion was music like i want to be a producer and whatnot but um during the time when I graduated, I had a trauma and I, I call it relapse. I got into a place where I, I'm glad I'm still here. I was in a dark place, yeah. but then afterwards and I got out and I was able to heal myself and understand the pain of, you know what? I can't control the past, but I can change my future. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to forgive everything in the past and be at peace with it. Because that past is going to change my future. You know, I'm going to yeah. learn from it. It was a generational curse that I call it. Generational curse of just pain getting passed along from my mom to my dad to everyone to me. So it has to stop with me. So I was able to, to heal myself and understand myself. And then after that, I, I started looking on social media for, for mental health, trying to make it more aware. I couldn't find anyone mm -hmm. that I can relate to or I didn't. You know, I'm I'm clicking hashtags and I didn't get it. You know, I'm like, okay, all right. And now it's just like, why not me? Why not be this advocate and just speak? And I did a lot of reading. I read probably over 110 books on on self-development, the way the mind thinks, you know, in psychiatry, because this is something that I want to be passionate about. This is something that I care about because everyone has some sort of trauma, like you said earlier, that it may not be trauma. It may not be like a big car accident or something like that. It might be something subtle that just been happening for years to years. Let me be an advocate and, and share my story with the world, you know? And once I did, I was able to connect with people like you and, and it made me feel good. And it was like, okay, okay. Now that I'm the middleman, quote unquote, let me help people understand it's okay to see help. You know, and what a beautiful thing and, and you know, courageous of you to, to, to be able to do that, to share your story. Thank you. Um, you know, once I got into this career, I think the times that we connect the most with people is through vulnerability, mm -hmm. right? When you share something vulnerable with me, I, I can find that place in me to also share with you. And, and we're able to strip away those layers, right? Yeah. And ultimately get to the connection I think we're all seeking mm -hmm. as human beings. Mm -hmm. But we have all of these layers of protection of, of defenses. And how strong is this stigma that we hold that even after being in this field and being aware of, of, of how, you know, how often I was out there talking about reducing stigma, but I wouldn't share my story. I was afraid to share my story. What are they going to think? Who's going to come and see a therapist who's had depression and anxiety? In my mind, right? For some people, it's like, well, I would go see that person. Yeah, yeah. But in my mind, it, it, there was still some of that shame. Like, no, I can't admit this. And so that was even a process for me of, of becoming more and more comfortable sharing my story. And, you know, in, in school, we're taught not to really disclose a lot about our ourselves to our, our clients. 
Um, and I, I, I don't do that. I think when it's appropriate, um, I, I let them know about s- struggle and how sometimes I've been where they've been and that I get it. And every time it's been powerful because it immediately helps people say, well, like, oh, I'm not the only one. Yeah. But, but that sort of speaks to how, how heavy that, that stigma and that, that shame can be. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think um, with me, I was trying to reach out to some therapists before and trying to seek that help. But yeah, as you said, the human touch wasn't there. They're going based off of the the school that what they taught them, the, the books. And for me, I, I share my story of being vulnerable because I realize it's my superpower. You just have to know how to use it and when not to use it. Simple as that. You can't abuse it. I'm not going to sit there and wake up every morning and tell you, oh, this is, no, but I'm going to share the moments of my dark thoughts, my, okay, I was down here, but now look at me. You're not the only one. And I think that's the most important message to break the stigma is to be vulnerable and and say, it's okay. It's okay. Look, I was down and out too, but now look at me with, with time and and practicing and and creating a a better routine, your life will change. And healing, like you said. Yes, and healing and accepting accepting the past. Accepting because we can't change it. You know, most of us want to change. Man, I wish I was able to stand up to my mom. I wish I was able to stand up yeah. to my dad when they told me this. You're six or seven. There's right. no way you could stand up to, <laughs> to an adult. You know, there's no way. So don't blame yourself for it. We, we do a lot of blame game or we do a lot of just being so hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to release that. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's this, um, there's this quote I I read somewhere and it says, you know, we don't cry because we're weak. We cry because we're tired of being strong. Yes. And that's so powerful to me. I love it. And I see it every day. The clients that come to see me are some of the strong, like I get emotional, like some of the strongest people I've ever seen. Because they they dealt with suffering, not only their own, but they're the first people that are willing to be there for everybody else. They're so used to putting their own stuff aside and and, and hold other people's suffering and be there. And then I don't want to burden other people with my stuff. Mm -hmm. These people have been so strong for so damn long. And that is the most courageous damn thing. It's so brave to me. I, 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 every, every day I'm in disbelief at, at, at how, how strong these people are, but they come in here and they feel weak. And I'm like, God, if you can only see yourself through yeah. my eyes. Yeah. It's all about the perspective. I'm glad you said that. Um, every now and then, like, you know, I get so caught up with the social media and trying to do this and trying mm-hmm. to work with some of my clients being a life coach that sometimes like, I got to stop. What I'm doing, check them, pick up my phone, check up on my friends because some of my friends are strong. And they always, and I always believe, check up on your strong friends because yeah. they, they need you too. You're yeah. always depending on them. Sometimes, hey, take a step back, look at the bigger picture and make sure they're okay. Now, I'm glad that you said that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I, you know, um, there's, there's a lot that we're starting to learn about empathy and, and empaths. Right. And, and those people that are, are just, you know, they, you know, some people describe it as energy. You know, I can feel someone's energy when they're down or when they're up. Other people just talk about like being able to have emotional intelligence, being able to know what somebody's feeling and really, truly putting yourself in, in their shoes. And, 
some of the folks that come in here are just the most empathic and compassionate people I've, I've ever met, you know, and, and sometimes as a result of that, as a result of always putting other people first, they weren't realizing that they were teaching other people that came second. Yeah. And so yeah. always putting their emotions aside, always putting their needs aside, guess what? That's going to catch up with anybody. And oh, you burned out. Really hard. Yeah, you will burn out. Yeah. You burn out. Uh, there was something, it was a question that I, I, I have to ask you. If there's someone right now that's listening to this or watching this, um, this podcast, what message would you give them to, to break that, that stigma to seeing help? Yeah, yeah. You know, the first thing I would say, HB, before that is take it easy on yourself. I know you're out there beating yourself up because you think you should be better. You think you should be out of this. You think this shouldn't be happening to you. But if we sat down and looked at all of the things going on in your life right now, it would make sense why you are where you are. And so don't beat yourself up. Give yourself a little bit of compassion. That compassion you're so willing to give everyone else, give yourself a little bit of that. Once you do that, Know that there are so many people in the same position. You're not alone. I mean, here you and I are talking about our own experiences. And sometimes when folks come in, they're like, it just, it feels like everyone else has it together. And I say to them, believe me, they don't. They just carry it better. Yeah. Or or they fake it better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I like that better. They fake it. (laughs) Yes. You know, it, it's just the, the person that turns to alcohol every night to cope is sometimes no different than the person that comes home and needs to go to the gym for three hours to forget about what's going on in their life, right? Like we all pick in some ways our, our coping strategies, some mm-hmm. health, but we're still trying to escape something that, that's painful inside. Um, and so you're not alone. You're not alone. And Call a counselor or a therapist. Go to one session. Give it a try. Just go to one session and see how you feel afterwards. Because sometimes just venting, just talking, feels so damn heavy, yeah. is enough to make you feel a little bit lighter. Mm-hmm. Give it a shot. Give it one session. If you don't like it after that, you know, we can think about some other things. But also for me, HB therapy isn't about, I want to alleviate your depression symptoms or your anxiety, right? For me, in my office, you're never going to get, let's talk about coping strategies. Yeah. I want you to come here because you're ready to change your life around. You're ready to find that courage and confidence that's always been in you. You're ready to change the relationships in your life and have them be healthier. You're ready to find and live in a life that, that feels joyous and you get grateful and you feel content. That's what we're going to change in here. We're going to help you heal from those things in your past that still feel painful and hurtful. And we're going to give you a level of insight. We're going to get you to understand you like no one ever has, like you never have. Yes. And think it. about the way you're able to take on the world after that. So don't think about it as I'm depressed, I need help. Think about it as I'm ready to take my life to the next level. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, 
would you like to tell people how they can find you, um, the website, your social media? And I'm pretty sure now with the whole pandemic going on, everybody's doing Zoom. So it should be easier to connect with anybody. Most definitely easier. Not only is it easier, but I'll tell you what's happened, HB, is I think I, I think with the pandemic, what happened is in some ways people found a big pause in their life mm-hmm. and, and found a ton of time to sort of reflect on what's been going on with them that maybe wasn't so great. Yeah. And so I think people are saying like, whoa, there were some things in my life that were not okay. And so I'm, I'm, in some ways I'm glad because now more people are reaching out. Um, and, and so that's great. Um, so you can, Follow me on Instagram. Uh, my account is um, at lifedoc, life underscore doc. People can go to my website, which is www.tampacw, and the CW stands for Counseling and Wellness, um, .com. Or people can reach out to me on my, you know, my business line, which is 813-644-1791. And I, you know, I never have an issue giving people my number and, you know, if they want to text me, if they want to, you know, send me a message and, and, you know, maybe just need someone to chat with or, or a resource, you know, I'm always happy to, to give that, um, you know, we need to make ourselves accessible, right? We, we, we have stories and, and, you know, the, the beautiful thing that I want people to know is bring your story and understand your story because that story is then going to help inspire and move other people well said well said thank you for the time i appreciate this this was amazing man it went it went to places that that i was hoping and it did it did this was great once again guys this is the just believe podcast until then i'll see you next week thank you once again dr carlos garcia this was a very powerful episode i am trying my hardest to normalize therapy i think it's needed if you want to reach out to dr carlos garcia and his staff Please check the show notes. I have his Instagram account along with their website if you want to book a session with them. Until then, I'll see you next week, guys. Peace out.